Welcome to The Word Revealed with David Palmer and Scott Burns, where we talk about everything Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Let's join the conversation. Welcome back to our podcast where we're talking about the Bible, its riches, its its uh, effect on our life. And I'm Dr. David Palmer. I'm really thankful that you've joined us for this episode. I have a special guest with me. Uh, Dr. Christopher Kwan is here. And uh, Dr. Kwan, welcome. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here. So Dr. Kwan is a physician. He is an emergency room doctor. And I'm going to ask you to just to give a short introduction to yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background vocationally, uh, and then we'll dig into the topic at hand on the Bible. Sure. Um, I live in Houston, Texas with my wife and three daughters. Um, about 10 years ago, Lord led me to found an emergency medicine company that owns and operates emergency rooms. We have about 400 employees and about 120 docs that work in our system for us. Uh, it's been an amazing journey in the business side of medicine. Um, and to give us your that's amazing uh, tell us a little bit about your education path and how you how you ended up there sure yeah i i went to johns hopkins university in my undergraduate studies i studied biomedical engineering uh, there was a period of time i contemplated calling to full-time ministry but the lord led me to medicine and i attended wake forest university school of medicine in north carolina did my emergency medicine residency at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. It's a little bit colder place up there. Okay. So you're a doctor, medical school, um, and uh, really respect your work. You're a successful businessman. Uh, I am so thankful, though, for all these accomplishments that what I know of you is something that might not be as obvious from your resume. I know that you are a committed Christian. I know that you are also uh, a, a man who has been deeply impacted by the Bible and the role the Bible plays in your life. So mm. uh, let me ask you, do you remember the first time that you encountered the Bible? Do you remember, have early memories of that? Uh, you know, uh, I was uh, privileged to be part of the Revelations um, uh, Bible study last night with you, and uh Right before, there was a little bit of question uh, and answer interaction with the people at my table, and uh, Chris Beecher was there with me, um, and uh, it just happened so that my first real reading of the Bible started in the book of Revelations. What a, what a, what a bold start. Now, that is just not something you hear. So you started with the last book, book of Revelation. Correct. How did that happen? Well, I, I'm not really sure. It, it must have been the Holy Spirit, but, you know, the all other books at that time, I, I must have been in the, in the early stages of my high school uh, life, probably, maybe a freshman uh, sophomore year, maybe. I mean, I grew up in a Christian church. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my father, uh, my mother was a, a devout, devout follower of Christ who taught me what it means to worship, what it means to have a life uh, of prayer. Um, so I've, I've grown in the church, but never really dug into the scriptures um, until a little bit later in life. So what happened to you when you remember reading the book of Revelation? What what were your early impressions and what happened to well, you? Well, of course, you know, without much uh, guidance and teaching, and it was, I was like, wow, I'm, this has got to be tanks and helicopters all over okay. the place. <laughs> 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 Missiles coming yeah. out somewhere. And 
that was kind of um, a sensational way of uh, uh, interpreting the book of Revelations. Obviously, completely yeah. uh, um, uh, not in context, but that's what it was. So, so you started there. Um, tell me about then when you, you you went to college, you were at Johns Hopkins, mm-hmm. and you met your pastor at yes. that time, yes. uh, initiated meeting with you, and and uh, started to work in you the value and the importance of Bible memory. So yeah, tell scripture us, memory yeah. and other spiritual disciplines at that time. It was, um, you know, I've never really been introduced to the concept of discipleship or um, my freshman in college was the first time that the Great Commission was truly introduced to me. I, I'm okay. familiar with the verse growing up in the church, but never really seen it lived out. There was a pastor that came to Johns Hopkins from Southern California, just incredible, incredibly intelligent gentleman, graduated UCLA 3.8 GPA, went to Talbot, got his MDiv there, was ordained pastor. Um, one day in the camp, he started a parachurch ministry in Johns Hopkins as well as University of Maryland at that time. and. And uh, I was introduced to him through a friend of mine who was also from Southern California, and so he he um, he called to meet with me one day in a weekday in some room somewhere in the middle of the campus. And so I was always raised to uh, you know when a pastor asks you to meet, you go and meet. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and met him, and um, that was an amazing first meeting, probably. I recall being about two to three hours. I did not. I thought it was going to be a thirty-minute, one hour at most. Just check in. Yes, um, and he started to introduce me to various aspects of um, spiritual disciplines. One of which was um, one of which was scripture memory. You know, in that first meeting, he um, he told me to get a three-ring binder, one of the smaller ones, three three by five or something like that. He told me to have a whole bunch of uh, sections in there. One was quiet time, one was Bible study, one was witnessing, the other one was scripture memory. He introduced me to the Navigator's topical memory system, which had 60 verses uh, with little cards. For people who might not be familiar with that, tell us what about the topical memory system for the Navigators. And Yeah, it's a, it's a, those who want to pursue scripture memory, I highly recommend that. It's a very organized, systematic way. Um, they have the 60-verse pack, and after that, there's like an 180. We call you used to call it 180 pack. I'm not sure if that's the normal nomenclature there, but um, it gives you a topic on the uh, uh, scriptures that you memorize, and then it gives you the obviously the scripture uh, reference, and then the scripture memory. And what are some of the topics? Yeah, Christ the Center, Second Corinthians 5:17. You know, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, is new creation, etc. And then there's two verses for each of those topics: Christ the Center, second is Galatians two twenty, and then goes on to different topics. How does how does having Scripture memorized affect your life? It, it completely changed it. One because uh, number one, you are saturating your mind with the scriptures that's the only way you can kind of memorize it and hide it in your heart but because you're walking down the campus and back in the day we didn't have any smartphones with um, bible apps and things like that it's a completely different generation now but you are literally walking down the campus and the holy spirit reminds you of the verses that you memorized 
um, you are able to constantly meditate on those verses. Um, and when you're talking with somebody or when you're witnessing uh, to somebody about your life in Christ, as the Spirit says, as, as the Scriptures say, the Holy Spirit reminds you of Amen. those verses as, as they're hidden in your heart. Let's explore for a minute about the connection of memory. And you're a physician. Mm-hmm. I know you have a great interest just in the human body mm-hmm. and how God's created us. Do you see a connection between our God-given capacity for memory mm-hmm. and uh, even what that does to us physiologically mm. and and how memory, in terms of a created function within humanity, how mm-hmm. that's used and how linking that with Scripture memory has been helpful? Um, I think, you know, in my experience, I think, you know, applying how how awesome Scripture memory was in my life and applying that um, in different demographics and different people that I was able to impact, uh, I remember I had to do it kind of carefully. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the reason why. Um, uh, because of their uh, schooling or academics or um, just... Um, just familiarity with memorizing anything in general, um, there is a kind of a bell-shaped curve associated with that. And let me give you a... So taking a step back a little bit, I think, you know, we can talk about the the greater aspect of discipleship. And underneath that is, you know, in my mind, there's kind of four pillars of my Christian walk Mm -hmm. and the things that I want to reproduce in someone else as I disciple somebody. And that is excuse me, the area of the Word of God, um, prayer life, the worship life, and um, obviously fellowship Mm. slash community. And obviously underneath those pillars, you can go into different aspects of it. You know, all those can be both corporate as well as personal, right? Right. But in the area of the Word, you you can subdivide that in different categories. And this is not the only way to do it, but, well, how do you take in... Uh, the Word of God. You can take in the Word of God by hearing it. Um, you're sitting in the pews on Sunday morning, right. or you're listening to a sermon driving down the down the road. You can um, read it, um, like most people do with their Bible reading plans a year. Um, you can, um, yeah, you can hear it, read it. You can um, memorize it. Right. You can study it, and lastly, you can meditate upon it. Uh, Let's talk about the about prayer, mm-hmm. and uh, I know you're a man of prayer. Mm-hmm. How has the scripture, uh, the Bible, helped you know how to pray? There, we we talked in a previous episode. There are 650 prayers included in the Bible, mm-hmm. so there are there are prayers. But how has how has the scripture, uh, the biblical text, helped you in your life of prayer? Yeah, I think that's that's a great segue, you know. Um, and and for me, uh, the my word life and prayer life has to, began to merge together in okay. a great way. There's a period of time I went through some struggles, um, financially speaking and business wise. The Lord has um, took me out of that and blessed beyond what I can ever imagine. But during that period of uh, difficulty, trials, and tribulations, the Lord was really, really deepening my prayer life. Mm-hmm. And uh, what the Lord did was um, He changed the way that I pray. Um, How so? 
he he's began I, I began to realize that my prayer life consisted of just 70-80% just asking God for things um, and to a certain degree rightfully so because I was in need I was right. in desperate desperate need um, but I could feel as I was doing it day by day well there's this another concept I, I you know during that difficult time I needed some some guidance and pillars and one of the things that I remember was this concept of tithing, not tithing financially, but the tithing of time. Right. So the Lord gave us 24 hours in a day, 10% of that is at least 2.4 hours. And so I would try, because I was struggling so much in every way, I lost, lost like 20 pounds, um, nothing goes, was going well, at least that's what I was thinking. and. I was trying to spend those times either in prayer, in the Word, and, and something that's devoted to my spiritual walk with the Lord. And and uh, just trying to pray two hours with just stuff that you're asking. Right. Over time, day by day, the Holy Spirit is like, I don't need this type of prayer. I mean, it was very, very clear to <laughs> wow. me. The Lord's like, I don't want to hear this. I, I know what you need. You don't need to tell me. Amen. Um. And then I started to ask the Lord, so what, how do you want me to pray? You know, we all know some guidance, right? You know, you pray like acts, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. We have some guidelines. and But one thing is clear that the Lord knows what we need. That's right. It's not like we need to recite and remind him um, what we need. We just need to learn how to pray in the Lord's will. And and what the Lord was convicting me of was my will is clearly written in Scripture for all mm. to see. Mm. And so I started to pray uh, through the Scriptures as I was searching the Scriptures, meditating on it, studying it, reading it. And the Holy Spirit, as He often does, illumines certain portions of Scripture and just lets it jump out and capture your heart for that moment. And and the Lord was telling me, you need to pray this for your family. Mm. Uh, the Lord would um, impress upon my heart some biblical doctrines and theology even. I love it. And the Lord says, you need to pray this. When you read the epistles and Apostle Paul praying for certain churches in a certain way, the Lord would say, you need to pray this for your family. So... About 90% of my prayer now is just either theological concepts or or um, straight from some of the scriptures that the Lord has impressed upon my heart. You know, even just the greetings that Apostle Paul gives to the churches and epistles. You know, I sometimes begin, most of the time I begin my prayer for my family every day with, may Christ dwell in our hearts richly. May we be united with Christ and in Christ and then I go into a section of protection against uh, spiritual warfare. You know, I was impacted by how David danced mm -hmm. with joy and delight when the Ark of the Covenant came back. I said, Lord, help me to um, dance with joy and delight in your very presence, God. Um, Amen. I pray for salvation for my family, even though I believe they're saved. Mm -hmm. I say, Lord, pour out your saving faith into our lives. 
so that our life would uh, be a fragrant offering unto you. And so there are these concepts of Scripture, and, and some straight from Scripture, theological, doctrinal, that I pray for. And about 90% of my prayers is related to those things. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Mm. You know, I think I love how you're describing even you know, even an Old Testament narrative mm-hmm. and delighting in in seeing and appropriating rightly uh, David's delight in the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, even just hearing you, it stirs my own heart to think, Lord, be enthroned. Mm-hmm. You know, be enthroned. The Ark of the Covenant be at the center of my life, mm-hmm. my family. Uh, my work, uh, and inside the ark, what's inside the ark mm-hmm. are, the, are the tablets of, of the testimony, the word that mm-hmm. uh, we might know God and, and not be limited to or restricted to our own imagining of who God is, but mm-hmm. letting him speak, reveal himself. Uh, and Jesus. another thing that I realized as I, I began to pray this way, the Lord was convicting me of... Um, Number one, and when we pray, we don't we don't pray with a high level of expectation to the degree that we are so desperate. Sometimes we don't even expect the God to work so actively. Mm. Uh, that's one thing. The secondly is that uh, uh, obviously ninety percent, eighty percent are scripture based and doctrinal based, but obviously there's supplications related right. to your situation, circumstance, and your stage of life, and that timing. Um, I had realized that basically I would cry out to the Lord in desperation for certain things. The Lord answers magnificently, but I don't take the time to thank the Lord to the Mm. degree that I was seeking the Lord. So another part of my prayer life is not only doctrinal, scriptural, but I would pray, and of course, he answers. He does. And then I don't just drop that prayer topic (laughs) off my list I continue to leave it on my list in my mm. heart. And I say, Lord, thank you for uh, answering my prayer. And that goes on continuously for months until the Lord tells me to drop that. <laughs> so, so many of the prayers in the Bible are prayers of thanksgiving. Amen. And, and there, it's not just a general uh, thank you, Lord, but specific thank you for God's uh, acts, for his uh, power revealed, for prayer answered, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a another step that this, that happens often in the Psalms, which is that you're crying out to God in desperation, as you're saying, God hearing, answering, giving thanks, and then it's almost like the, for me, it's like the Old Testament version of the Great Commission in an anticipatory way mm-hmm. that many people will hear and give thanks to God. Wow. So I, I, that his work in our lives, in our family, has an effect mm-hmm. to bear witness to his identity and purpose in the lives of people around us. Yeah, it's great that you bring up the Great Commission. And as I said, um, I wasn't really truly introduced to the Great Commission until my freshman year in college. But, you know, you are a New Testament scholar. Um, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I had read and... Um, somewhere that, you know, the Great Commission, Matthew twenty nineteen twenty, Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I will be with you to the close of the age. Now, that go, therefore, and make disciples, I was told that it was uh, better translated as 
as you go. Yeah, it's a it's a participle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's in, there's only one main verb mm-hmm. and make disciples mm-hmm. and the the first verb there go is 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 going or by going yeah. in going or as you're going yeah. and uh, so the the heart the heart of the great commission is is the making of disciples mm-hmm. it's great the, that you um that you reinforce that because when i read it that you know when i was younger mm-hmm. in my high school and my college years it's like you need to go you need to go and make disciples <laughs> right. just pick up things Lean and on go. The go yeah, yeah. right but but um but as I read it as, as you go, meaning as you do the things you do, mm-hmm. as you are a student, as you are a doctor, as you are a plumber, a bricklayer, as you do the that. things you do, go make disciples of all nations. And that really changed everything for me when I looked at that Great Commission that way. Oh, I, I really, really like that. You yeah. know, um, what what is it? Uh, what does as you go look like as a physician? Yeah, as a businessman, it's a really, really. You know, it's something that I struggled with because, as I mentioned in the beginning, I think the biblical principles of discipleship are never are not to be compromised, maligned, or any way. But the practice, the application, the methodology has to be changed and has to be practical depending on the situation, circumstance, cultures. It has to be contextualized. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, one more thing. You yeah. had asked me about how to apply those things, and I think one one of the things that's really, really important, uh, part of the discipleship, is there's a lot of teaching component to it. Um, and so it's got obviously got to be scripturally based, but one of the things that at least I think it's a really good pr- principle is that you have to, you know, when you're applying, let's say, scripture memory or quiet time or Bible study or prayer, you have to kind of teach them, teach the, the people what it is from the scripture. So, you know, it's really helpful, at least in my life, that as I'm discipling people, mentoring people, I teach them what it is, mm. why it is that we do it. Right. Um, I also teach them how to do it. And there's multiple different ways to do it, but, you know, what was helpful for me. Um, and then you do it with them. Together. You do mm-hmm. it with them. And then you let them do it um, alone mm-hmm. by themselves and keep them accountable so that mm-hmm. they can be consistent and faithful to it. And this last part, I think, is really, really important to the whole discipleship process is let them reproduce. Oh, I agree. Let them reproduce. Because, you know, it's one thing for them to be kept accountable for certain spiritual disciplines in their lives. It's another to actually reproduce that in another person's life as they disciple others. It's a whole other level of accountability. And and transformation. And I think that that is faithful to the imperative verb of the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. To make disciples isn't an end in itself. Mm-hmm. To make a disciple is to make a disciple-making disciple. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I love how you bring that up because, you know, this section, is, First and Second Timothy has been instrumental to me in my disciple-making ministry aspect of it. But in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, is that you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. 
and you see like four generations of Apostle Paul, you got Timothy, you got reliable men who then will be able to teach others that reproductive and that multiplication process in the teaching in the Word. Is so priv- it is, pivotal. and it, it's it's such an honor, and it, I thank the Lord that He He uses us in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And just you know, circling back to the early early impressions of the Bible, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm teaching right now on on Revelation, and one of the things that has really impacted me in this study of it. Seeing how how it's really a revelation of Christ, mm-hmm. uh, seeing Him in His glory, and seeing the narrative plot line of Revelation is really about the conversion of the nations, mm-hmm. and that Revelation is is really depicting for us visually in these uh, stirring images how the nations are brought to faith, mm-hmm. and that you see. There is a, a measured wrath of God against the sin of the world. We see that in Romans 1. But the glory of Revelation that just erupts in these scenes of worship is the faithful, sacrificial witness of the church in the world uh, that leads people to faith. And I I know of no greater joy in my own life than seeing people come to faith and then seeing them grow as disciples who then in turn are making disciples. Yeah, and it's yeah. such a, yeah, I think it goes all the way back to Genesis that the commission to humanity is to fill the earth with image bearers who know and delight in God. It's, what, it's why we're here. Amen. And uh, Amen. so what a, what a delight to have a chance to talk with you yeah. and, and hear more about it. One, yeah, One more thing. Love it. <clears throat> You know, when I was in college, and, and it was a different era, different generation, and um, it was perfectly fine for me to say, hey, let's meet, let's do one-on-one, let's have a disciple-making relationship, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes, um, at, at my stage and in my profession too, uh, obviously the Lord has pursued us. And uh, now as we're making disciples of all nations, we're pursuing others. But sometimes I do it surreptitiously. Right? Okay. I don't. I don't even call it anything. Right. I don't call it disciple making. I don't call it disciple relationship. I just pursue them and meet them. And then I. I certainly want to replicate the the spiritual disciplines, the things that I've learned in my life to them. But I don't necessarily um, call it what it is. You I just do it. I, I just do it. Hey, how about we do some devotionals together? And this is the reason why. Hey, do you mind if we share those devotions every once in a while? Hey, this is why. Sounds I like do sc- the pastor who met with you. He didn't, yeah, he didn't call it that. He, he just didn't said, call it that. <laughs> let's meet. That's right. And looking back, right. that's what he was doing. And later on, he called it that. But in the beginning, I was clueless. <laughs> that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. If you were to share with us a scripture that maybe is a life verse or a verse that that's just really central to you, uh, a favorite Bible verse, what would that be? Um, yeah, it's Psalm twenty-seven four. It's even before I understand the context of that verse. I just, for some reason, I love that verse. But if I read it in the context, I was like, oh. 
goodness. But anyway, that's a whole other topic, another whole yeah. podcast. But one thing I ask the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon his beauty and um, seek him in his temple. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever read because I wanted that for my life. I wanted that for my kids, my children. Um, and if there's a life first, that would be it. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing and being with us, Dr. Kwan. Uh, may the Lord bless you, your family, your vocation, your practice, and uh, may he use our lives to make disciples uh, of all nations. So God bless you, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you for joining Dr. David Palmer, Senior Pastor at Kenwood Baptist Church in Cincinnati, and Scott Burns, Associate Pastor. Meet us here next time for another conversation on the Bible.